starting a lot of fires <laughs> oh yeah yeah me and tyler have been going into the woods at night and just starting fires there well that's pretty cool yeah we had one on the beach it's not a beach it's a shore we've talked i think we've talked about this before it's the river bank okay we were we we started a fire under the bridge that's pretty cool it was we used uh some materials that we found. Yeah, yeah. And we set it all ablaze. We, we've just been doing that everywhere we can. Any chance we get, we'll just pop a squat and start a little fire. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been a good use of my time. <laughs> I held too much smoke the other day and I had to take a nap. <laughs> From what I hear, that's not good for you. It's okay. I do it a lot. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm practiced at it, really. But this smoke's a little heavier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, set a fire during the day, and a person came along, and I, I think I knew him. Oh, yeah? And he seemed to maybe know me. He started off with the hay man, which I think betrays some familiarity. Okay. And he looked quite a bit like someone I used to work with, but I, I, I didn't... I was trying to start a fire. I wasn't trying to have, like, a reunion. Right. And I didn't want this him to be from, like, the parks department. Right. And tell me that I couldn't start a fire here. <laughs> um, and then I took a nap. Well, what what followed with the hay man? Was that it? Did you just say hay man and leave? We, we both agreed it was... Or we all agreed Tyler was there. We all agreed it was a beautiful day to be out in nature. And that it was perfect fall weather. And uh, indeed it was. Okay. Okay. And, uh... We got a fire roaring. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm just hooked on the stuff now. So, speaking about taking naps. Yeah. I heard that you were recently in a showing of your brother's house. Oh, yeah. That was the same day. <laughs> it was? Yeah. After I... They were out of town and uh, I was going over there to uh, kind of like clean up after their cat. So it didn't smell like cat poop at the showing. Right. And there was no one scheduled. And I was like, I'm kind of tired. I was like, I'm going to lay down here for a little bit. (laughs) I woke up to just someone banging on the door wanting in. (laughs) Uh, So I made myself scarce really quick so they could look at the house. And uh, someone bought it. And I like to think it was because they saw me laying there on the couch just snoozing off to Bob's Burgers. And uh, potentially that that is like a... uh, Something that they value. Yeah, I could see that. You're like, oh, this house is cozy. Yeah, this house is good for napping to Bob's Burgers. Yeah, but they didn't... Actually, I think they... I don't think it's going to a family. I think it's going to someone who's going to rent it out. Oh, so it's going to some fucking parasite. Yeah, it's just going to some landlord. Piece of shit. Well, Uh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe I didn't help. Or they're like, this guy looks poor. He would live in this house. (laughs) That looks like I could milk him for about twice the uh, twice the mortgage. 
Well, we could all use a good milking every once in a while. Yeah. In this economy, you're not getting it as often as you should. More milking, please. Well, it's a milking recession that we're entering. Uh, there just isn't enough. It's a, it's, a, it's a milker's market, not a milkies market. Yeah, the milker can name their price, and the price is astronomical right now. <laughs> yeah, more or less. But uh, my life's been going pretty good. Oh, uh, my, my, my weed guy moved into the apartments across the street from the place that I'm doing my uh, treatment program in. <laughs> like, literally across the street. How fitting. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I was like, my choices are really coming into into focus here. <laughs> it's I could literally like go one way or the other, <laughs> you know, and I would have different results. It, it really makes you think. Yeah. Well, I know which direction you choose when you're not mandated by yeah. the court to make another yeah, direction change. Ma- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I like to think the path I'm taking is the path less traveled. Well, speaking of the path less traveled, uh-huh. let's talk a little bit about Ray Dennis Steckler. Let's talk a little bit about Welcome to the Raincoat Report. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how I'm boss and this is Jeremy. Hello, and today we're going to tell you about Ray Dennis Steckler. Yes, we are. Uh, so, hello everybody. It's five weeks of fright still. Yeah, it's the fourth or fifth or maybe sixth week at this point it's uh i think this is the fifth week technically i think it's the fourth episode in the fifth week yes our five weeks of fright will occur over a six week period yeah so join us uh early november for our special halloween hangover (laughs) (laughs) but uh this week we're talking ray dennis steckler uh Ray Dennis Steckler is an interesting character with an interesting career. Yeah, he's one of those characters like an Al Adamson or a Bill Rebane type who's like a, a pretty legendary, like regional, no-budget guy. Right. Yeah, more or less. I'm sure you have some more. Fill in some of those gaps. Uh, a little bit. Uh, I could probably do more research about him, but... Uh, my uh, biggest thing right now is that Severin Films recently released a uh, collection of Ray Dennis Steckler's films, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I've watched most of them, a mm-hmm. lot of them, <laughs> at this point, and uh, they've been delightful. Yeah. I um, bet they are. I haven't really seen a lot of them. I think I've seen Incredibly Strange Creatures. And yeah. uh, I might have seen one or two of his like of his like uh, his earlier like teen exploitation films, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I've seen enough to qualify. I will say uh, before we did this, like years and years, like before we started the show, I did watch the Mad Love Life of a Hot Vampire. Yeah, uh, and I was thinking about we could cover that one for this show, but our. Uh, European counterparts at Bow Chicka Wow Wow just covered that one for their own season of Fright, so I didn't want to just step on any toes. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to it when there's a little time in between. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, so uh 
Ray Dennis Steckler is best known for the incredibly strange creatures who stopped, stopped living, living and, and became, became mixed, mixed up, up zombies. zombies. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's his uh, most uh, celebrated film, I'd yeah. say. His magnum opus. Um, I have watched a bunch of his films, having gotten that box set now. And uh, I would say that I don't know that any of his films are great. Sure. But sure, sure, sure. they're almost all very interesting in one way or another. I can see that. This one, or these two, we're doing a double feature. Yes. Yes, I, I think that we uh, buried the lead here, that yeah. this is a double feature episode. They'll figure it out when they see the episode title and see that there's two movies. Well, it could be one movie with an ampersand, if they don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, this is two movies. We're talking about Sacrilege and The Sexorcist. Yes, and there was some confusion about which one of these we were watching. Yes, we were... Uh, on my part, even <laughs> though I picked the, both of them out. Yes, you picked them out, and then I went to watch them, and then you watched a different movie. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we, we worked it out. Everything's okay. So, the uh, first one that we're going to discuss, Sacrilege... Um, that was not part of the box set that recently was released. No, that was, in was fact, a, a um, part of an AGFA release recently. Yeah, was it the, the satanic uh, yeah, porno it's, night or something like that? Yeah, it's a, one of their Smut Without Smut collections. Yeah. And it was on there as a special feature to, as the full film right. of Sacrilege. Yes. Uh, and then... The other film, The Sexorcist, is something that I had on DVD from Vinegar Syndrome for a few years now, but was uh, re-released as part of this Severin box set uh, in HD. Wow. Uh, which version did we watch? Uh, the one from the Severin box set. Excellent. I thought it looked especially crisp. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it sure did. Uh, so, yeah. Now, Ray Dennis Steckler's career started... With him making, uh, we'll say, more conventional films. Yeah, yeah. Um, his first film was called Wild Guitar, and it's about a uh, guy who comes from the country into the big city to start mm -hmm. his musical career and uh, the trials and tribulations of him being taken advantage of by the music industry people. Yeah. Was that from the 50s or the 60s? I think it's like 59 or 60. Okay. It's like right there on the edge. Yeah, it's right there in the middle of that whole, like, kind of like on the tail end of like the juvenile delinquency uh, craze of the mid 50s. Yeah. Bef yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 1962, actually. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's right in there still. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting film. It's his most conventional film that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of just like a, a good movie. In a traditional sense, uh, there's lots of musical numbers in it, and uh, you know the uh, the lead is pretty charismatic. It's it's a fun little movie, um, but things kind of start to veer in very weird directions coming out of that. Yeah, yeah, because his next film was the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Quite a second film. Yes, quite a second film indeed. So, in this film, uh, it's not quite as uh, conventional as Wild Guitar is. It's kind of weird. Um, but he still kind of has a budget here, 
Whereas while Guitar was black and white, this was in color. And it's kind of slow moving, but there's a lot of like weird dance numbers and like just weird there's... creature stuff. And towards the end, it kind of uh, escalates to a point that's pretty satisfying, although I'd say overall it's kind of a slow movie. I remember there being like a lot of like people just running around like back and forth yeah 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 uh a lot of fortune teller stuff maybe or at least there's some of yeah. that towards the beginning that goes on that way for a while yeah yeah uh, it's been a few years but it's a it's an unforgettable quixotic experience it is uh from there we go on to the thrill killers which is kind of interesting in the sense that I recall there being some uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis level gore in it. Oh, that's cool. That uh, was kind of unexpected for me going into it, uh, and it was a it was a pretty good movie. But from there, he moved on to Rat Fink a Boo Boo, mm-hmm. uh, which was titled Rat Fink a Boo Boo on the title card, and therefore the film was known as that. But it was supposed to be Rat Fink and Boo Boo. Wow. Uh, but it is a, on the surface, it's a Batman uh, 1960s parody. Uh-huh. But it really doesn't get into that until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Most of the movie is a pretty dark for the 60s uh, story about some like murderers menacing women and uh, killing them. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'd heard that that one had kind of... Uh... The title sort of like betrayed what's going on. It sounds like you're gonna get like like a psychedelic like rip off like a rip off of like a superhero show or something. But yeah, but you get mass killers. Yes, excellent. <laughs> I mean, they don't kill a lot of people. They kill one towards the beginning, and then I think most of the movie is them menacing a particular woman. Well, menacing, but they are killers in the sense that they killed at least one woman. Menacing's good. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. And like the killers, uh, I think each of them has a different weapon. Like one of them has a chain, the other oh, one carries I a knife. That. I love when they when you got a crew and each crew member of the crew's got like a different weapon. Yeah. Like um like an anime gang. Yeah. It's pretty tight. <laughs> um it's worth noting that Ray Dennis Steckler himself appears in many of his films, uh often under his pseudonym Cash Flag. Well, yeah. Um, also, his wife of this time period, Carolyn Brandt, shows up in a lot of his films. And in fact, shows up in one of the films that we're discussing today. Excellent. Although I think they might have been divorced by that time. But, you know, she continued to act in his movies for a while. That was uh, She's a real sport. Um, what I'll say without going through like an entire uh, run-through of his filmography, uh, I think... My favorite film of his uh, that I've seen so far is 1979's The Hollywood Strangler Meets the Skid Row Slasher. Oh, yeah? Yes. It's a good name. Uh, it's a film following a guy who is the titular Hollywood Strangler. Okay. Who goes around uh, killing women that he uh, hires to photograph. Sure. And Strangling uh, them? Yeah, he strangles them. Um, his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, eventually he meets the Skid Row Slasher, played by Carolyn Brandt. And uh, she likes to 
kill homeless people in Skid Row. Oh, yeah. Good for her. And uh, uh, eventually it ends up with the ultimate showdown between the two. Freddy versus Jason type situation. Uh, more or less. Okay. But uh, it's a nice sleazy film with uh, violence and... I would say that, uh, you know, if you're looking for a conventional movie, maybe you wouldn't think that it was very good. But if you're looking for weirdo weirdo outside cinema, uh, it's a great stop on your journey to fun. To check that one out. There's also a follow-up to that titled uh, The Las Vegas Serial Killer uh, from seven years later. Okay. Which... uh, 1980 something? 1986 okay yeah uh which features the same guy who played the hollywood strangler he's uh i think broken out of jail or whatever is that a, is or maybe he was released i can't remember but he goes back to photographing and murdering women <laughs> the system doesn't work yeah they probably gave him a couple of years for that at most yeah <laughs> they're like all right you're back out fred it's name? the 70s. It was just women. They don't care. Yeah. like We got like 30 of you guys every day right now. We don't have room for all of you. Right. You're, you're a reformed man. <laughs> Get out of the state. And go bother Nevada. Indeed. So, all of that's just kind of a, a very, very high overview of things, but... The important part here is Ray Dennis Steckler worked to the beat of his own drum, and uh, because of that, he had a lot of trouble getting financing for stuff, and uh, you know, later in his career, once he got into the 80s, he had a lot of trouble getting stuff made. Um, he made some pornographic films, and then later on in the 90s, he made one film of his own called Summer of Fun, which is a silent film well silent in the sense that there's just music playing in the background right and it's just a lot of people having fun in the summer i believe oh uh and then he made uh a couple more movies face of evil slashed and uh his final film one more time uh in 2009 what's that one about uh i haven't seen it yet but IMDb says, an old man wanders aimlessly about the sleazier areas of Los Angeles while going to see a shrink about the vivid dreams he's having. Uh, I might check it out. It's only an hour and eight minutes. I could see my life becoming that. (laughs) Um, And then he had a... uh, I guess it's like a, a series of films that total to like four hours or something that's called... uh. I think it's called Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. Philadelphia with Tom Hanks? Yes, it uh, stars Tom Hanks. No. Oh. Uh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but... Is it a historical drama? No, it's a... the founding of our country? I think that it's about Ray Dennis Steckler driving to his hometown, uh, which is probably Philadelphia. <laughs> it's whatever the name of the thing is. Okay. Uh but it's like just hours of him on the road driving there and like <laughs> sounds... just doing his thing. Uh it sounds like it might not be watchable. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um really it's an old man in a car? 
perhaps. <laughs> uh, I would say that it's not high on my list of things that I need to watch. Like stopping for gas? Or like get some like McDonald's coffee? Uh, probably. Oh, it's Redding, Pennsylvania is what okay. it's called. It's going back to Redding. Yes. That's what it is. It was it was something in Pennsylvania, but that was from 2006. And yeah, 257 minutes in total. It's a lot of time. That's a lot of... It's broken up into like three or four parts, though. I guess that's manageable. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm going to watch that. But uh, like many people who had difficulty getting films financed in the 70s and 80s, Ray Dennis Steckler worked in the adult film industry as well. Yes, uh, as we're about to learn. And uh, one of his earliest adult films was 1971's Sacrilege. Okay, so this is this is real early pornographic uh, material. Yeah, he made a couple in 1970, so it's not like his very first. No, but like just like uh, this is in the first rise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you can certainly see where in like The Sexorcist, which is a few years later, he's got his stuff more in order, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, Red Heat that he does, I guess that's just uh, a couple years after that, is uh, a lot more well put together. Have you seen that one? Yeah, it's kind of a a weird porno slasher. All right. It's, uh, I wouldn't say that it's like great, but it's decent and worth watching. All right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll cover it at some point. All right, we'll see. We'll, we'll... Uh, the, the IMDb uh, synopsis is... Porn filmmaker Cindy Lou Sutters casts a striking redhead she dubs Red Heat to star in her latest hardcore movie. After Red Heat catches her boyfriend with another woman, she goes crazy and stabs him to death. Oh no. Red Heat proceeds to embark on a murderous spree throughout Los Angeles. Sutter recasts the lead for her adult feature and gets down to the basics of making the movie. Meanwhile, a thief on a motorcycle robs everyone he encounters. So... A few plot lines going on there. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, I bet they'll converge in coherent, artful ways. <laughs> Probably. Well, okay, so we're going to talk about, again, Sacrilege from 1971 and The Sexorcist from 1974. So we're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be back to start talking about Red Sacrilege. Heat. Oh, Red Heat? Yeah, I okay. want to watch that one now. Okay, we're, we're going to go watch Red Heat, and then we'll be back to talk about Sacrilege. Okay, bye. Out there in the spotlight, you're a million miles away. Yep. And, uh, spotlight. Every ounce of energy. I don't know all the words. Something, something say. (laughs) As the sweat Um, pours out your body like the music that you play. There you go. On the road again. I can't wait to get on the road again. (laughs) 
I think we might have uh, jumped rails there. Good. Well, speaking of rails, sacrilege. <laughs> sacrilege is something that you might expect out of somebody doing a lot of rails. I don't know that that was uh, Steckler's tempo, but uh, it does seem a bit scatterbrained. Yeah. So, Sacrilege opens on a naked woman in a cape dancing suggestively, complete with zoom-ins to her crotch, and face, and chest. This continues for a couple of minutes to some dissonant violin and drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some very heavy bonk- bonking music. Yeah, definitely quite bonk- bonkful. Yeah, there's... Full of bonk. Yeah, it's got that bonk sound. <laughs> uh, so we finally get our title card overlaid on this dance. Yeah, it's a good thing I can't, uh, inst- I can't use Instagram anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't use Instagram anymore? I don't know what happened. It just stopped letting, it would just stop saying it would uh, load my photos, and I deleted it. Now my phone doesn't have enough space to download it again. <laughs> So I haven't been posting on Instagram for like half of, for like this entire month. Luckily, we still have our Twitter. Um, I'm going to just like wipe my phone. You need to get a new phone and a laptop. I shouldn't have to live this way. I shouldn't have to be the slave to these machines. They're not serving me anymore. <laughs> I'm serving them. It's not cool. But uh, uh, I wouldn't be able to use this title card on Instagram or at all. There's no way I could edit this, I think. Yeah. Because it's just uh, a big bush. <laughs> well, from here we get cutaways to our cast's faces as they're credited on screen. Uh, as we go, we cut to them and then cut back to her dancing. Um, Steckler is credited here as Michelle J. Rogers. Then we cut to a panning shot of some hills to some sinister music, and then we see a man reading a book in the grass. Mm -hmm. This is Jay, who soon looks up and sees a woman in a cape walking towards him, breasts and beaver exposed in her cutaway outfit. Mm -hmm. It's quite a complicated bit of lingerie. Indeed. We get a bunch of uh, weird cutaways as she transforms into a different woman, a nerdy type. She introduces herself as Cassandra, noting she thought it was interesting that he was out here reading on his own. He talks about how he's reading about witchcraft, and his friends make fun of him for reading about that. So he has to go all the way out in the country where no one will. He has to go all the way out in the country where no one will make fun of him. <laughs> Cassandra explains that if not for Christianity, we'd all learn more about witchcraft, and talks about science being derived from it. Jay thinks it's neat she knows about this, and she explains it used to be a hobby of hers. That should have been a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't trust witches. Yeah. It's in the name. Witches get stitches. Mm-hmm. No, oh. they don't. I don't I don't try to give witches stitches, because they'll use their magic to turn me into a toad. What I like to do with witches is put, lay them down on a big rock, and then find another big rock and put it on top of them. <laughs> And I just, usually I'll stand on it and <laughs> press it until they confess. I like to dig through the ditches and then burn through the witches. 
Yeah, that's a good... And slay him in the back of my Dragula. That's a good pastime. In the meantime, Cassandra invites Jay over to her nearby home. Taking strong anti-witch stances. We're going to be <laughs> cursed. Yeah, we're definitely getting cursed now. <laughs> I'm going to spend the night, and then when you're editing this episode in the morning, I'm going to say chants over it and burn incense <laughs> to ward off um, the dark the dark dreams. That's probably a good idea. So yeah, Cassandra invites Jay to her nearby home for jasmine tea, and he follows her there. As they enter, Cassandra tells Jay to make himself comfortable. He circles the living room area, checking out the art on the walls before Cassandra returns. He asks why she lives out here on her own, and she notes he came out here on his own just to read. She also explains she's not alone. She introduces Jay to her cat, Lucifer. She says he's such a devil, always getting into everything. She leaves again, noting she'll be right back. Jay stands up and paces again, and then he looks back at the cat, Lucifer, and sees him blinking out of existence and uh, into existence as a man. That Galifianakis. <laughs> yes, a a, uh, a bearded gentleman mm-hmm. uh, with uh, his face painted pale. Cassandra returns, and Jay says that he thought she said she lived alone, noting he saw a man. Cassandra assures him he she is alone. So Jay interprets from that that he must have hurt his eyes from being in the sun for too long. Mm-hmm. She brings him back something for his headache. Um, and this uh, looks like two peppermint patties along with the jasmine tea that she was offering him. Those are clearly firework snakes. Oh. <laughs> she's going to feed him those black pucks of charcoal. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I feel like if you were, he was already feeling bad because he had. Did he have some tea already, or is this when he's he's getting? He's the getting tea the tea here. Okay, but he's already freaked out because he saw the. I guess the devil. Maybe he saw certain... Lucifer, the cat who also might be a man. Okay, or a devil. And what's important about that is that you shouldn't take pills from a witch. Yeah, that's a red flag too. Or tea. <laughs> He's really just uh, ignoring all of the red flags here. Rosemary's baby had been out for at least two years by now, and this boy is interested in witchcraft. You think he would have taken note? Yeah, you'd think so, but... Jay's just another fucking dunderhead. All right, let's get on (laughs) with it. So uh, he takes those pills and a drink and then looks at Lucifer the cat again and sees uh, Lucifer blinking from being a cat to a person and back to a cat again. Cassandra then asks him for a light, and when he flicks his lighter, he sees her as a witch woman, mm-hmm. which uh, just means that she turns into a woman with black hair that we saw dancing earlier. Mm-hmm. And shot from kind of an under angle with some light, so she looks a little, like, grosser. Yeah. He notes, for a moment, you look like a witch. She dismisses this and says that she's going to put on some music. As soon as she steps away, she turns into the dark-haired witch and uh, stands on the table dancing, uh, just as we saw her dancing in the intro. She also makes cat sounds at him. Yeah. Jay leans forward, and the witch grabs his head and pushes it into her muff as he starts to go down on her. Mm -hmm. After a minute, she pushes him away from her and onto the couch. 
She then straddles his chest, and then we see her riding his cock cowgirl with a close-up shot from behind. Now, I think that the hardcore sex in this film uh, might be inserts that were added later, because we don't see any hardcore sex in wider shots where we see their faces. That's a good good catch. I think you might be right on that. When they do these scenes, there's a sound that's in the background that's kind of like a ghost dog. (laughs) that's like part of the music yeah that's uh it's like a ghost way it's like a ghost dog wailing uh and then in a little bit later someone just seems to be testing like every single function on their synthesizer (laughs) (laughs) well in addition to what we're hearing in the background on screen we're seeing them having a little bit of difficulty uh the witch is having to use her gloved hand to position his cock because it's not very hard She's trying to ride it. So in these hardcore, perhaps, inserts, uh, they're still having trouble getting things done here. This continues for a bit with her doing her best to ride his semi-erection. After a bit, she starts moaning and breathing hard. Uh, Worth noting that she was making no sound before this. Yeah, also worth noting that this point and you're watching the music has probably stopped and doesn't come back. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, seems to climax, and then she lays down on the coffee table, and then he mounts her there. We get another close-up shot from behind of this going down, uh, which we stay on for a long time. Uh, again, there's no music, as you pointed out, but in addition to that, during the scene, they start to loop the same three moans over and over again. <laughs> uh he does, however, in this shot, have a full erection here. So at least he's uh, getting the fucking done. Yeah, good, good. This continues for a couple minutes. Then the witch mounts Jay reverse cowgirl on the coffee table. After a minute, they transition to a weird sitting scissoring position where they rock back and forth on the coffee table, yeah. which seems like it may fail at any moment from the stress. Sure. Uh, they're, yeah, they're kind of like fucking each other. Yeah, like back and forth. It's quite a it's quite a feat, and uh, yes, it does sound like this table is uh, on its last leg, so to speak. <laughs> he uh, pins her legs up and lays her on her back, fucking her more. Though we don't see any penetration, as this seems simulated completely. He moans and then seems to climax, and then the witch pushes him down on his back on the table. We see her fondling his soft dick in a close-up, rubbing his pubic hair as weird music plays. She rubs his dick against her clit as we hear more looped moans. This continues for a minute, and he seemingly gets hard again, and then we see her riding him cowgirl on the table. She rides him for a bit and seems to get herself off. Jay's head has fallen back, and we see the witch dismount him and look at his body, laughing maniacally. We then cut to a woman who we learn is Maria. She's in the bathtub washing herself. We watch her, and after a minute, she starts to play with herself, and we get some close-up masturbation. The phone next to the bathtub rings in a calamitous sound, and Maria answers. It's Jay on the other end. He tells Maria that he had trouble with his car and asks if she can come help him. She explains she's in the bath and asks if... She can get something out of it if he wants her so bad. 
She explains that he knows what she wants, and Jay tells her she'll get what's coming to her. We then see Jay outside in the dark, and Maria approaches him. She asks if they can go now, and he says he left his wallet in the house, so he talks Maria into following him inside, and Cassandra introduces herself to Maria. Jay is staring forward the whole time, unblinking for the most part. Maria is trying to get Jay to leave with her once she finds his wallet, but Cassandra asks them to wait a moment and she'll get them tea. Maria notes he seems like he's a million miles away and sits him on the leather couch. Maria then meets Lucifer, though she notes that's a strange name for a cat. Jay notes it's a strange cat. It's true. Cassandra, yes. Cassandra returns and pours them tea, noting that she used jasmine leaves. Maria tells Jay to drink his tea so they can go, but Jay is completely unresponsive. Cassandra notes he must be thinking about his car. You know men. And Maria gets real catty about him and his witchcraft stuff, and then she starts to feel woozy and passes out. Good. Shut the hell up, Maria. (laughs) Maria comes to naked, tied to a table, with uh, Witch Cassandra and two guys around her. One is Jay, and the other, which isn't apparent at first, but I believe is Lucifer the person. She's fucking the cat. Yes. (laughs) Gross. So, uh, Lucifer fucks Maria Missionary while Jay is just rubbing his back. Uh... Lucifer's really fucking Maria hard in the hardcore shots we get. Uh, after a minute or two, his dick seems to be softening, but he's making it work okay. Jay is watching with an intense expression on his face, and we see Cassandra, the witch version, looking down at her. This continues for a few minutes, and uh, the witch keeps waving her cape around. We see a close-up of Lucifer pulling out and coming as he grinds his dick against Maria's pubes. Everyone continues staring and stuff, and then we see Lucifer going down on Maria, hopefully cleaning up the mess he just made. (laughs) The witch approaches Jay, and he kisses and licks her belly and then her pubic hair. We hear that same three uh, moans looped over and over again. Mm Mm-hmm. Jay is then fucking the witch as she sort of sits in his lap, though the close-ups more look more like a sitting missionary position. Right, and also there's a lot of, uh, you can really hear the springs on this bed going. <laughs> After a bit, we see the witch lay down and Jay mounts her missionary. Uh, no penetration shown. And then we see the witch mount Jay cowgirl, and we do, after a minute or so, see some close-up penetration. This continues to some very percussive music for a bit. The witch then starts screaming as she continues to ride him. Yeah, why is she screaming? Uh, I don't know. She's feeling intense devil power. Is that part of her spell, I guess? Maybe. Okay. We then see Jay coming to. His arms are tied to Maria's feet as they're both kind of just like arms and legs spread out on the ground. Right. Uh, On a green rug. (laughs) They're being kissed and caressed by the witch and uh, Lucifer. The witch starts blowing Jay, and this continues for a while while Lucifer's kissing and licking Maria's breasts. 
The witch seemingly finishes Jay off as he moans with what seems like a mix of pleasure and pain. Lucifer gets up and walks away, brushing against Maria, who stirs awake and sits up. She asks what's happening and if everyone's gone mad. Lucifer returns and beats her back with some, like, dried brush or hay or something. Yeah, that's the devil's brush. (laughs) The witch laughs maniacally, and she says, My sacrilege is complete! (laughs) She continues to roar with laughter. We then cut to the sun rising over some hills to some trippy music. We see Jay come too, naked on the floor next to Maria. He looks around and then awakens Maria. They hold hands and look out the nearby glass patio door. They pick up their clothes that are conveniently laying nearby and redress. We see the couple leaving, hand in hand, looking around cautiously. They stop and turn around, looking at the camera. Then we see a bunch of shots from earlier in the movie set to drummy, jazzy rock that gets really chaotic. Mm Mm-hmm. We then cut back to Jay and Maria as they run away as we hear the sound of witch, the witch's maniacal laughter. And then we get a card that says, The End. And that, my friends, was sacrilege. It's completed. Yes. I've completed my sacrilege. My sacrilege is, is complete. My sacrilege is complete. And now... Now what? Now we take a break. Oh, and okay. We'll be back to talk about The Sexorcist. All right. Five and one half miles west of the city, you'll find the marsh. It's a desolate and foreboding country of steaming swamp. Only reptiles and insects call it home anymore. At one time, it was peopled with an evil cult of devil worshippers, and the disciples of Satan still walk this land on nights of the full moon. So people stay away from here. I wish now that I too had stayed away. But now, of course, it's too late for me. All right, so next on our journey through Steckler Madness, we get to The Sexorcist, which is a bit more substantial, thankfully, than Sacrilege. It would be hard not to be. (laughs) So the Sexorcist has also been known as the Sexorcist's Devil, and uh, also by the title card on this version of it, which was Undressed to Kill. Yeah, I saw that. In the credits here, we see that it's written and directed by Max Miller, so that's a different pseudonym for Stackler. The film opens with us getting introduced to the marsh five and a half miles west of the city. It's noted in narration by Janice that only reptiles and insects call it home, but it was once the home of devil worshippers. People stay away from here, she says. Now I wish I had. Janice is writing an article uh, with Professor Ernest von Kleinschmidt, a sexorcist and demonologist. Mm -hmm. And she followed him to the swamp for this... Mar- this uh yes this marsh the marsh the it's marsh a five mile it's a the marsh of the pigs no no it's an area of five miles outside of the city yeah and it's home of demon worshippers yes it's, it's marsh exposition that's I want to learn more marsh history why 
do we never celebrate Marsh History Month? I don't know. We don't know enough about it. I'm going to take March, make it Marsh, and I'm going to dedicate the whole month to bogs, swamps, and fjords. <laughs> the so, marshes. <laughs> so here in the marsh, we see Janice taking pictures of Professor von Kleinschmidt. She notes the area was known to be the home of a sex-mad demonic cult, and the professor wanted to find some proof. That day, the professor did find proof. We see Professor von Kleinschmidt discover a chest in the bushes. Yeah, they're out geocaching. Yeah. He carries it out and brings it toward Janice, opening it up to find some aged parchment. It's noted in narration that he wasn't able to translate it, but felt confident he could translate it if he took it back to his study. She notes if they had known, they would have just left it. She notes it would have been better for them and her prostitute friend Diane, who would end up being possessed, body and soul. We then see Janice taking pictures of Diane splashing around a pool naked with a guy. Mm -hmm. Some clamorous jazz music playing. Yes, so we learn that Diane is a drug addict and a prostitute, and also Janice's roommate. And now she's spending time with Fritz Granger, who is her pimp. Yeah, and I guess also her boyfriend, sort of. Yeah, I guess so. It's that one. It's like that working relationship, you know. It's it's a special bond between a pimp and his hoe. Yeah. That only they can understand. <laughs> it's not for God or man to judge. Janus notes it was time for Diane to relax for a bit before another client came over. Janice says she would take pictures of them at times to make some money. In narration, she also notes that Fritz could go off at times and talks about a time he beat a customer who wouldn't pay, and uh, that customer couldn't have sex for a long time. Bashed his dick with a bat. I I guess so, yeah. We watch as Diane spends some time sucking Fritz's cock. Meanwhile, we see Janice gather her camera stuff, she stops by the pool in just enough time to see Fritz come in Diane's mouth, which uh, we see dribble out of her mouth. Do you think the come in this movie's fake? I assumed not. It, it, there's just like, it, I feel like in every shot when it comes, it just, you see it dribble out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you see like maybe a couple wet shots, but I feel like there might be some real ones mixed in with some fake ones. I don't know the consistency of it wasn't a hundred percent i don't know i just assumed that it was real it's real it's still real to me damn it yeah you still buy the kayfabe (laughs) (laughs) no i just assumed that she was not a swallower and uh they just finished in her mouth and she just let it drip out i mean that's also possible i just question when they hide the tip fair enough uh it's good to be skeptical sometimes it sure is now Continue, please. Oh, the music in this, oh, during this blowjob sounds like a carnival. <laughs> the blowjob, it sounds like a carnival. Uh, uh, you know, Piano Man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what he's singing. <laughs> so, Janice gets one last picture and tells Diane and Fritz she has to go. She has an article to write about Professor Von Kleinschmidt. Fritz immediately recognizes his name as a demonologist. 
Janice confirms that's him, and she's writing an article on sexorcism. Fritz asks, what the fuck is sexorcism? And Janice explains, it's the process of removing a demon from a person's body when they've been sexually possessed. Fritz notes Diane is going to be tied up all night, and Diane chatters a bit, ending with, I'll fucking suck and make a buck. Janice leaves, and Fritz starts kissing all over Diane's body. In narration, Janice says, When I left Diane that afternoon, I had no idea that was the last time I'd see her sane. We then cut to Professor von Kleinschmidt in his office, translating the parchment. In his office, he has, like, three or so, like, really awesome demonic paintings. Yeah, they're, like, amateur, like, fantasy, like, pinup art. Yeah. Yeah, they go, because they kind of each, I think, sort of, like, revolve kind of like a rad, like, half-naked chick. Yeah. And there's cool stuff like a dragon or, like, a giant skull or, you know, like an evil wizard and stuff. But, yeah, they're all... They're all very cool. And, yeah, we uh, get cutaways to them a lot through the movie. Yeah. And I kind of wish I owned them. Yeah. I, maybe I would like to own them. I've been dabbling a little bit in painting. Maybe I can replicate one for you. Okay, I love it. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Um, I think it would look good just hanging over your head. <laughs> Janus notes, while she was working in her study, evil was visiting the marsh. We see it. They keep talking about evil, but when's evil going to show up? Well, we see a dude in a robe walking through the marsh. You think he's evil? Perhaps. He doesn't look evil. He has a robe. Not everyone that wears a robe is evil. I beg to differ. Uh, let's think of some people that wear robes. Priests. Yeah, evil. Um, druids. E- evil. The, uh, judges. Evil. Clan members. Evil. Wow, I guess you're right. <laughs> oh, cultists. Cultists are always wearing robes and they're mostly evil. Mostly. Uh, Buddhists. Definitely evil. Yeah, monks, evil. Evil. Nuns, evil. Hugh Hefner. Turns out, evil. Very evil. <laughs> evil, evil man. Always in a robe. You know? Skeptical, but uh, I think this guy might be evil. So we cut between this guy in the marsh and the professor. In narration, Janet notes, It wasn't until Professor von Kleinschmidt finished translating that he realized the parchment was Wizards. Used- wild, a lot of wizards are evil. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Janus notes it wasn't until Professor von Kleinschmidt finished translating that he realized the parchment was used to call forth a dark power. We then cut to Fritz licking Diane's nipples as she lays on the couch. He continues to kiss all over her body and starts to go down on her as we also cut to shots of the robed dude in the marsh and the professor doing his thing. Diane is blowing Fritz again, careful to make sure to work his balls as well with her hand. We see him finish with her pushing the cum out of her mouth as she continues to suck. After a moment, she licks his cum and the tip of his cock a bit. We then cut to an office where Janice is looking through some papers. 
Then back to Fritz, who is now fucking Diane Missionary on the leather couches. They slap their tongues together in a yeah, weird he way. Cannot French kiss at all. <laughs> also of note, the devil's disciple apparently has to walk from the marsh. Yeah. <laughs> After a minute, he pulls out and blasts a notable load on her pubes and belly, smearing it around with his cock. Within, it, it's it's kind of like some of those shots in a. Sacrilege where it lingers for a very long time of yeah. her like just like playing with his cum and rubbing it in her pubes like like a full like minute and a half. That's normally something that you'd see like done in like twenty seconds. Yeah. We see Diane and Fritz in the kitchen. She offers him breast milk for his coffee. Fritz notes that Theodore is on his way, her client, and he's worth two bills to him. Fritz leaves so Diane can take care of her client, who should be arriving soon. We then see the professor for a moment and then cut back to Diane, who sits on her sectional couch under a tiger painting. It's here where the robed guy from the marsh appears out of thin air, and Diane asks if he's Theodore. Instead, he introduces himself as Volta. She notes he must be foreign, but notes... She's not prejudiced. She fucks and sucks them all. He's probably from Mars. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Volta sits on the couch and pushes Diane's mouth onto his crotch. Diane starts to blow him. He yells out for her to bite it. Yeah, then he yells harder, bitch. He says, see, you tried. You can't hurt it. You can't. Volta is thrusting into her mouth a bit as she goes. He yells harder, harder, bitch. You can't hurt me. Try. Bite it. Chew it. Hurt me. This guy's special talent is that he just doesn't have like any like nerve endings in his cock anymore. Yes. You can just fuck it up as much as you want. We do see some shots of her getting a bit toothy with her blowjob. Oh, yeah. Abandon all hope. Your will is mine. I am the power, he yells. We see Volta finish in Diane's mouth, who again lets his cum dribble out of her mouth as she continues to suck his cock. She does stop to lick his cum off of his cock. Cut to the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology, which Professor von Kleinschmidt pulls off the shelf. We then cut back to see what appears to be a second play of the blowjob we just saw. Mm -hmm. Then cut to Professor von Kleinschmidt looking through the book. Cut back to Diane, who's riding Volta reverse cowgirl as he sits on the couch. After a bit, she leans back and he caresses her breasts for a while. They continue to grind and fuck this way for a bit, with Vulture reaching forward to play with her clit briefly. The music gets more distorted and weird over time. After a bit, she dismounts and Volta comes on her pubes. She rubs his cum onto the tip of his cock, and we see this for a couple of minutes. Yes, another, She rubs it one. and licks it. Cut to Janice working on the article, noting she had experienced some strange premonitions. We then cut to Diane, standing naked. Volta presents her with a golden amulet around her neck. He explains that she is now under his will. She has no will of her own. She's now part of the Brotherhood of the Prince of Darkness. Hail Satan! She repeats, Hail Satan, Hail and throws Satan. up horns with her hand. Fuck yeah. Volta and Diane make out hard here. Volta explains she is now of the Brotherhood of Satan and she must do his work, gathering souls for Satan. She says she doesn't want to, but Volta says she doesn't have a choice. 
We then hear a noise, and Volta says that must be the Theodore she was waiting for. She tells her to wait for him and deliver his soul to Satan. So Theodore walks in and notes that his wife won't let him do anything to her. Uh, Theodore is a larger man. He's built like Randy Quaid. <laughs> he uh, undresses completely and starts to touch all over Diane's chain-wrapped body. Oh yeah, that's worth noting that she, yes. after being put under the spell, is wearing like a few black straps with some like chains coming out of them. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an interesting fetish wear. Yeah, that's how you know that. She's under the devil's influence now. Yes. So the chains, chains of the damned. He pulls down her panties and kisses her belly button and uh, keeps talking really weird and saying weird things. Volta notes he's a big one and tells his master to open both doors to accept this sinner. <laughs> we cut to Theodore going down on Diane and after a minute he tells her to stay there and he's going to go take a shower. I feel like he should have showered before he came over. He, part of his process is he likes to shower at the sex worker's place. All right. Everyone's well, got their thing. Well, he'll never do it again. So he hops in the shower. Um, and we get more cutaways to Professor Von Kleinschmidt pacing in his office and some shots of his cool paintings. Yeah. Uh, but we cut back to Theodore in a shower. Diane opens the shower door and stabs him repeatedly with a knife. Yeah, it's... Maybe like one of the worst like psycho-inspired kills I've ever seen. <laughs> you see her stab at the screen with the knife, and then I think you get some blood, and that's pretty much it. We cut to Diane walking out of the bathroom and putting on a robe. Volta congratulates her on a job well done and beckons her to come to him. Janice is still in her office typing away. We see Diane blowing Volta. This continues for a minute, and he does some weird maniacal talking of no real substance. After a minute, she finishes him off again, and we see Volta jiggling his cock up and down in a close-up of a single bead of jizz dripping off of it. Artful. Uh, this is, of course, mixed with shots of the professor's office and his weird art. Yeah. Is he going to fucking do anything, or is he just going to hang out in the night gallery? Uh, well, <laughs> I think that the key to this film, which is... Ob obvious already is that the professor and janice are fucking useless yeah we cut to fritz coming to diane's house he walks in and calls her name and then finds her behind her bedroom door which is locked he knocks on it and diane erupts out and slashes him <laughs> we cut back to the professor in his office and he's just repeatedly saying evil evil Janice calls Diane, asking if everything's alright, noting she had a strange feeling. Diane doesn't say anything in response at first, but finally she answers that she's alright. Janice notes she needs to finish some things and then she'll be home. Diane then finally responds, this time saying, Help me! Help me! Volta throws Diane down and yells at her for disobeying. He says he's going to fuck her until she aches for her master. We cut to the professor. Evil! 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 <laughs> we cut to Volta mounting Diane again. He fucks her missionary and we get some close-up penetration shots and some wider shots of him on top of her. Meanwhile, Janice is driving home. Volta is chattering, talking about fucking her and ripping her apart. 
He continues to writhe and fuck her for a bit as we get cutaways to de- to Janus driving. We see Diane yell, Fuck me, motherfucker! And after a moment, we see her finishing Volta off with her hand onto her belly. We get more Janus driving, more of the professor's paintings. Janus then arrives home and goes into Diane's room where she yells out that she's possessed by the devil and she demands help. Janus picks up the phone and calls Professor von Kleinschmidt, who introduces himself as Professor von Kleinschmitter. Janus asks the professor to come help her roommate because she says she's possessed. The professor notes that he knew this would happen on the night of the Walpurgis. Still on the phone, Janus is approached by Diane, and then Diane slashes Janus. The professor hears the commotion and runs off. We cut to Volta being blown by Diane again. He's again chattering about him wanting her to bite his cock and such. Volta says, after this, there's only one left, her biggest challenge, her test. He simultaneously talks about filling her throat and also about her killing Professor von Kleinschmidt. Volta yells, I have the power, as Diane finishes him off into and around her mouth. Does he make the horns when he does that? I feel like he comes hard and makes the, the horns. As... That might be what happens. They also do this thing or, or something like that. <laughs> I forget. Oh, it was like this. Oh. Oh, no, this. This is what it is. It's like an Aleister Crowley thing. And he was like doing it earlier and like pointing his head and his elbows at her. Oh. To, that's how you direct your magic. I see. You put your hands to your temples. Uh, palm downward, point your elbows out, and you make your co-host mad. (laughs) (laughs) She continues to lick his cock more and rub it on her face in a nice sloppy close-up. We cut to a close-up of one of the paintings and then to Professor von Kleinschmidt walking into the house. Evil. He calls out to Janus with no reply. Then he spots a shadow and approaches it. He yells out to the spirit in the house, calling it forth with a bunch of biblical talk. We see Diane standing next to the pool, staring off. The professor seems to begin his sexorcism, reading from his book. I'm not sure if this is the Bible or the demonology book he's reading from. As we get cutaways to shadows, Diane and Volta. Volta is cowering as the professor waves around a cross. Then the professor approaches Diane by the pool, holding the cross to her and demanding she yield. Diane, in return, summons a knife out of nowhere and stabs Professor von Kleinschmidt. That's not fair. Diane collapses, and in his dying moment, Professor von Kleinschmidt pulls the amulet from around her neck. She responds, spitting blood into his face, and he then falls into the pool. Volta calls out. Presumably also dies. Yes. Okay. Presumably. Yeah. I figure if they're trying to mirror Exorcist, then that's how it would happen. Hmm. Because I think both the priests die in that. Wasn't one, wasn't one of the priests in The Exorcist 3? Yeah, but like I thought that he his whole thing was that he had died and then his body had been possessed by the, the Gemini killer. That's how Brad Dorf ended up inside of him. I don't remember. Well, I'm here to set you straight. I think that's what happened. Okay. 
97% sure. Volta calls out, Master, my task is accomplished. He smiles and slinks off into the marsh again. We then get a title card that says the end with a question mark and a yeah. cool like pink design. So Janice was narrating this, but she's dead. Yeah. Is she narrating this from heaven? Uh, she's narrating it from hell. Oh no. Because her soul was claimed for Satan. Oops. Uh, but our, that happens. <laughs> but our credits are nice hand-drawn credits. Uh, mm-hmm. They're very cool, in fact. Yeah, I like them. They're pretty neat. But yeah, that was The Sexorcist. Yes. I feel purified. You should feel purified. After all that sacrilege, I'm glad we were able to be cleansed. Yes, by good old-fashioned sexorcism. Hmm. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back with our final thoughts on this whole experience. I feel tingly and damp. <laughs> I've got an article to write on Professor von Kleinschmidt. Is he the young dude that's into demonology and things? Witchcraft? You guessed it. I photographed him the other day when he discovered some ancient parchments on sexorcism. Sexorcism? What in the fuck is that? Removing the devil from your body while he's sexually possessing it. I never heard of anybody being possessed sexually by the devil. There's always a first time. Anyway, I'll give you a call before I come home. Time to fire another load. (laughs) Well, uh, these stories certainly chilled me to the boner. And, uh, well, let's go ahead and get down our thoughts on these. So, Jeremy... Present us with your raincoat review of these films. Okay. I would definitely say of the pair, I preferred Sexorcist. uh, Yeah. By leaps and bounds. Sacrilege is definitely, I think, more of a relic of its time. I can judge it accordingly. There wasn't a ton of plot in it. It seems to be more or less kind of like, maybe like two loops kind of stuck together. Yeah. Um, because it just centers around those two long sex scenes. It's a lot like Oriental Babysitter. Kind of. Um, it has maybe a little bit more development than anyone in Oriental Babysitter did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that much. Uh, it's a long... It's a long 55 minutes. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's some neat-looking stuff. There's some interesting sounding music when they remember to like let it play there are plenty of scenes of uh sacrilege to be had yeah for sure uh, but they leave me empty (laughs) this one i would say i would give it uh i'd give it one and a half i wouldn't really recommend going out of your way to see this okay um i think the smut without smut version i really don't know what would be left okay you know well, and to be clear, uh, they, do this, they do like a mix? This was like, yeah, this was like a, a mixtape of okay. several movies was the main feature on this. Gotcha. Whereas the first Smut Without Smut release had two movies cut down without their Smut. Okay. Uh, this was one a was more thing. Yeah, this one was more of it was a mix of like six or seven movies. Okay. Uh, with you know just little pieces of them all spliced together. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense then. I could see how you could cut this up and get some good stuff out of it. Cause yeah, there's devil cat. There's a, 
some good witchy stuff that goes on it and some okay uh imagery for the times yeah uh i just i don't know it didn't resonate with me very much on this one i gotta say all right i would avoid it the sexorcist on the other hand it uh just shows goes to show what a few years can do for your craft yeah <laughs> uh it's by no means like a fully formed film right it's uh it definitely has its pacing problems Mm-hmm. But premise-wise, and just the amount of slashing that comes down the pike in the last like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. uh, it really won me over. I like the talky, the talky demon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some uh, some fun performances all around. I like our mostly useless heroes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was by design or if that's just. He just kept using that same footage over and over to pad out the film to get like an extra like 10 minutes in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm glad it's there. It became very amusing at one point how often they would cut away to someone just doing nothing. Right. Uh, This is definitely one of those uh, kind of films where you, uh, you're just in for like a, a weird time while you're watching it. The... The sex in it isn't isn't bad. She's pretty good at pulling off a little blowjob. Yeah, that's mostly what she does. The little cowgirl. Yeah. Um. And ultimately, it's a tale of uh, the marshes. It is a tale of the marshes, and that's them. important. That's yeah. an important part of our society that doesn't get enough play. Yeah, we keep draining them and building suburbs. Soon there won't be anywhere for evil to live. Uh, I like that. I love that he had to travel by foot from the marsh. He had to walk <laughs> like five miles into the city, right? Which allowed them to have sex for quite a while longer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just a goofy film, and it's got that like '70s regional horror kind of charm to it, just because yeah. it looks kind of run down and dirty. Um, I would probably give this one a three. It's definitely the standout of the double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Three confused, uh, mostly sedentary stars. (laughs) Okay. Well, so I think overall, uh, these movies, I mean, they, they, they're another example of Ray Dennis Steckler doing what he does. He didn't answer to anybody. He did things his own way. And for better or worse, he's Ray Dennis Steckler. Yeah. Um, I would say that for Sacrilege, uh, you're definitely right in the sense that there's not a whole lot substantial happening here. That said, I was pretty entertained by it, start okay. to finish. Like, it, not a lot happens, but at the same time, the... The sum of all of the parts is uh, amusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the weird acting, the cutaways to the hardcore inserts where there's uh, trouble keeping an erection, um, the weird sound, the loop moans, the oh, yeah. uh, the transforming cat the witch that dances for several minutes of a 55 minute movie. Um, (laughs) the, the witch that gives them tea, the cat man, 
Um, there's just a lot of... <sighs> Nothing is really well executed here, but they threw in a lot of ideas of nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely seen much more boring movies. Certainly. And uh, because of that, and the fact that I'm drawn to this uh, low-budget filmmaking uh, and outsider art thing, overall, I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Okay, a full stars difference. Yep. Well... We'll have to rumble about it. We'll have to meet on the battlefield after you review Sexorcist. All right. So for the Sexorcist, uh, I would agree that it's the better movie. Um, we get Carolyn Brandt in the lead role. I mentioned her earlier. She was uh, Steckler's wife for a period of time. I believe this is after their relationship was over, I think. Um, but she plays this in what turns out to be a non-sex role in this sex film. She is uh, she's a pretty good actress in the movies that I've seen with her in it. Mm-hmm. And she does well with the material here, um, you know, with the caveat that the material is only so good. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a fun movie start to finish. Um it definitely feels padded out in some ways, all the cutaways to the professor and Janice. It's kind of like a, like a less psychedelic version of uh, that Ed Wood film we watched, uh, Take It Out and Trade, where he just kind of padded it out with like footage of women going up and down the stairs. Yeah, in this case, I think that... It- it was definitely padded out, and I think it was also used as an editing device just yeah, to be able to cut to away cut, from right, what, the sex scenes yeah. from the sex scenes to something else, and then go back to the sex scenes in some sort of coherent way. Um, they still could have done something, though. It's not quite as wild as the uh, investigator and taking it take it out and trade going on a around the world vacation mm. on the. Uh, on a victim's uh, family's dime? No, not quite, but just something I was thinking about. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but this one, it was a lot of fun to me. It's short still, um, you know, so it's a, it's a breezy film to get through. There's some fun slashing along the way. Uh, Volta. Volta is a crazy character who likes people to bite his dick. Um and uh, love Satan and we can all appreciate that. Yeah, especially this time of year. Um, I'm gonna give this three and a half stars. All right, it's a lot of fun. I would say that if I was rating it just as an erotic film, I would rate it a little bit loader, lower. Loader. But it, <laughs> loader. <laughs> but as an overall experience, uh, I think it's something that people should check out if they have any interest in uh, oddball cinema. Yeah, just letting it wash over you feels pretty good. Yeah, it feels pretty good. It feels like, um... Feel like making love. It feels like Halloween, but it's not yet. It feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time. Like it never will again. Running on fumes, quoting foreigner (laughs) lyrics. Um, you can you can check us out at Instagram, Instagram, and at Twitter at Raincoat Report. Maybe at Instagram. I'm gonna get it back. I'm gonna get it back. I'm gonna wipe my phone. Okay. 
I'm gonna wipe it. You need to wipe more often. No. <laughs> um, you can, if you want to check out our bonus episodes, we do two a month. You can check those out at patreon.com slash raincoat report. Uh, this week, we're going to take you on a journey through mm. uh, this year's uh, Pornhub Halloween contest. Yeah, we're going to cover the top 10 and uh, debate whether or not they really merit that position. Uh, spoiler alert. A lot of them don't. No, they all do. All mine were great. What did you watch? Uh, if you want to email us, raincoatreport at gmail.com. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And um, If you're going out to the marsh with Professor Von Kleinschmidt, or Professor Von Kleinschmitter, if he forgets his name, yeah. don't forget your raincoat, because <laughs> there's evil. Evil! Evil! Master, my task is accomplished. Thank you.